This is the ID Fanatic Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, June 7th, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. The other week we talked to David Gilbert, a voiceover artist, and today we explore another aspect of the training industry, sales, with Ben Canini. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mitch. How about yourself? Not bad. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm starting a, a new job next week. That's time. awesome. Congratulations. And you also uh, recently gained employment. Is that right? Yes. I'm uh, now a senior account director uh, over at uh, Experience Point. Right. Now, I was looking at the Experience Point description. It says, uh, we believe that everyone is a world-class innovator we unleash that genius by providing best-in-class innovation simulations founded on human-centered thinking and design, enabling your team to solve complex problems, anticipate customer needs, and create the perfect product, experience, or solution for your internal and external stakeholders. I don't understand half those words myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you, uh, can you unpack that for me a little bit? Yeah, so experience point... Uh, <laughs> What uh, where our expertise is is certainly focused um, in change management and innovation with organizations. Uh -huh. So what we do is we work with organizations, and we've got some uh, digital-based assets that we use to help organizations uh, shift their mindset towards uh, the framework of design thinking. Um, uh, design thinking is pretty complex. That yeah. I won't get into that. That description, but it's really looking at everything uh, in a business, whether it's employees, customer processes, from a from a human point of view. And we've got some uh, wonderful simulations. Um, yeah. Also, we're not we're not a consulting firm. What yeah. we actually do is we train organizations, people internally, uh, to become innovation ambassadors, uh, and they become the catalysts or representatives or ambassadors in the company that deliver the training to change the mindset within an So are your clients individuals within an organization? No, the clients are organizations themselves. Um, yeah. And they will assign leaders and catalysts depending on whether it's a, you know, for example, a digital transformation initiative may involve IT people. Mm -hmm. uh, an employee initiative would obviously involve um, HR people. Uh, we've done some work, certainly in automotive, where they've used uh, design thinking to come up with new features on, on automobiles. So it's pretty diverse in its application. Okay, there's two things that I want to stick with for a second. First of all, design thinking. I first came across this term a few years ago. There was some sort of workshop put together uh, where they had us all in groups and they had like a wall with uh, yellow stickies that we could fill out and put on the wall and different sort of activities like that. But it sounded a lot to me like instructional design because uh, it was basically it was thinking about who you're delivering your materials to, whatever they were, thinking about what the goal that you're achieving is and then working backwards from that in terms of making sure that things all fit into that overall goal instead of instead of the opposite, which I suppose is 
sort of trying to do something cool or, or interesting before you've actually thought it through. Is there more to it than that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's fairly similar because at the end of the day with design thinking, what you're trying to do is, is solve a situation or a problem. And it's really um, part of the process is actually creating uh, storyboards and experimenting with, with solutions. The unique part about um, uh, design thinking is it, uh, it gathers da- data from two extremes. So, um, you know, somebody who is not very interested in a particular uh, topic or process to somebody who has a very high aptitude within that product or, or process. Sounds to me like it must be a long sales cycle. You know, sales is one of those funny animals. People always ask me the question about sales cycle, and I always turn around and say it could be anywhere from a few months to 18 months to 24 months. It's really being out in the marketplace, and um, your clients are going to be ready when they're ready, and some of them are ready to jump into the game and get the process moving quickly, where others, the the cycle is longer uh, Mm -hmm. because... With this type of solution, um, there's got to be a lot of buy-in at many levels. And before this, you were selling training and development solutions for at least three different companies. So how did you get into the uh, learning and development field? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting story. Uh, my, my experience up to about 2008 was actually in the logistics industry doing everything uh, from trucking to air to customs to courier, uh, full service logistics. And uh, I was packaged out of the industry uh, in and around 2008. Um, and it just so happened uh, one of my uh, ex-employees with, was at, uh, at a company and he was the president of a startup that was in the employee engagement space uh-huh. and the SaaS platform space. Uh, and that's when I moved into this, um, if you want to call it the whole HR realm. Mm. So let me ask you this. Is this what you wanted to do when you grew up? You know what? When I was a kid, I, I was all over the place. I wanted to be a, a radio show host. I was fascinated by computers. Um, you know, I grew up, I grew up uh, in a family that was in construction uh, loved building and constructing stuff that was I was growing up with your was your dad in construction my father was in construction but uh, he did road construction but I actually uh-huh. had a, a brother-in-law who was a contractor uh-huh. um, so I spent a lot of years since I was a young teenager uh, doing home renovations roofing uh, all sorts of different types of constructions so how did you uh, veer from that into sales when I finished up high school Shortly after, my my oldest daughter came along, so it uh, sort of slingshotted me into the working world. Uh Uh, I ended up uh, uh, working in a factory, a bread factory, as my first job. And, uh, you know, I put in my time, but I was was restless, did some part-time courses, uh, became a supervisor, worked operations, and uh, eventually moved into sales. All right. So so you were in different departments in that. And did they did they move you into sales, or did you ask for that, or somehow evolve into it? It's funny because I was uh, working in operations for a trucking company at the time, uh-huh. and um, we were uh, back then. If you remember, the the Globe and Mail used to have the career section. I think it was on every Tuesday, every Wednesday. 
Oh yeah. Um, and one of our competitors had an ad for a sales representative. Oh. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to apply for this. I'm sick of operations. I'm going to go give sales a try. Um, and I applied for the job and ended up, uh, ended up landing it. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. At a later point in your career, you got into speaking engagements for like 15 years, as noted here in LinkedIn, 1998 to 2013. How did that happen? Yeah, so uh, you're probably familiar with the organization Toastmasters. Yes. Um, I got involved with Toastmasters for, for several years. Um, got involved in a lot of competitions, whether they were humorous speeches or inspirational speaking. Won a lot of awards. Ended up working with a professional speaking coach in Toronto and uh, ended up doing some, uh, some speaking on my own. And uh, some of it was uh, corporate-facing speaking. Uh, some of it was doing uh, speaking for some charities. Mm -hmm. And some of it was also inspirational-type speaking for large groups. Mm. Now, uh, just for our listeners, Ben and I both worked for Arthur Learning, that uh, we also met at the uh, GLDC, the Global Learning and Development Group that I've mentioned before, uh, mygldc.org, if you want to find out what that's about. It's all instructional designers and people associated with the training industry, and we do breakouts where we talk to like three or four people at a time. And Toastmasters has come up like at least three times in those conversations in terms of people uh, who are doing presentations or uh, trying to improve their skills. So this is like the fourth time it's come up. <laughs> is So what do you think of, how do you feel about Toastmasters altogether? You know what? Anybody that's thinking of doing it, I would highly, highly recommend it. They've been around um, for years. Yeah, they have been around for years and, and they have an awesome approach to to introducing people to speaking. Um, it's a It's a no pressure environment. Um, you know, your first 10 speeches are sort of, uh, they have different stages and steps. I mean, your very first speech, it just starts off as an introduction about yourself, which has got to be the easiest topic to stand up and, and start with. Um, and they pick different, different types of topics, but um, it's all geared towards um, being able to speak to some of your interests, some of what you believe in. Um, it, it really gives you a forum and, and I can tell you, I've been a member of three or four different groups and every group has been super supportive. Um, there's a lot of constructive feedback. Um, and, uh, like I said, I would recommend it to absolutely anybody that wanted to go that route and they have clubs globally everywhere. Uh, I just want to switch gears a little bit. So. I started my podcast in March, and somebody I already had on here, Maureen Quende, also started her podcast in March. And you started the podcast in, I think, April or May, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it was April, uh, yeah. Now, I want to tell the listeners, I'm not having, they say, you know, one of the, one of the techniques for improving, you know, the number of people to listen to your podcast is to have other podcasters on. It's called Cross. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. It's just that these people, there's so many people these days having podcasts. Very and, true. Uh, I know you, you thought about starting yours for a while. Um, now, before you, I ask you any questions about it, I have a clip here that I'm going to play. It's about a minute of your latest edition. Okay. And uh, but I'll just play it and then we'll talk about it. Okay. 
I was once a very negative, angry, and troubled human being. As I mentioned in my show called Mental Wealth, I've been on this journey creating a better me for over 15 years. I still observe the world around me with a great curiosity. I still consider myself a student of the University of Life. And I truly believe in the quote, you never stop learning because life never stops giving you lessons. How do you see things? Who do you look to for guidance? Who looks up to you? Who looks to you for guidance? What picture have you been painting or what story have you been writing about the world around you? Okay. So Ben, I got to tell you, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I expected. And I think of salespeople, I generally have a, probably a, a caricature idea of, uh, what they're like. When I heard this, not to this, this, I listened to the first one and, uh, your style of the podcast is for so, you know, slow and thoughtful. It kind of reminds me of a, of a sermon a little bit because you're talking about these different issues and life issues and life lessons and you've got this slow pace. So uh, let me end on the origins and the thinking behind uh, Shaka Faba. Everybody has a story in life and, uh, you know, mine hasn't always been easy. And there's certainly, you know, the, uh, the business side of Ben that has had to produce sales and produce results for the last 20 plus years. Um, that's always been on. But uh, in my personal life, I've had a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of things that I've had to overcome and address. And it, it came to a point about 15 years ago where, you know, it was in and around the death of my mother. And I realized, you know what, I, I really need to address this stuff. I realized I was spending time just keeping busy. And it's interesting because uh, not long ago, I came across a quote that said, mental illness must be tough, but it's even tougher dealing with it on your own. And that's, you know, I talk a lot about the limitations that we have in our mind. And I'm a true believer that that's where over 90% of our own limitations lie. And when I sit and I talk and I, and I want to deliver that story, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be over the top. I just want mm -hmm. to sit there like I was having a conversation like I am right now and just talking about these things. And I, I like to pepper the podcast if, uh, with different stories, have a little fun with the characters. It's really my uh, heart project to, uh, mm -hmm. to really give back, especially what I've learned over the last 15 years. What struck me about the delivery of the podcast is it's very meditative. Was meditation part of your process? Actually, yes. Uh, meditation and, and uh, silence are my introverted time. Uh -huh. uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. So last weekend, um, I went for a walk on a trail and it was probably a two hour walk and I did it in, in absolute silence the whole yeah. way. And it's, it's just amazing what you see, what you observe, uh, what, you know, when you let the thoughts all flow out of your head and just clear your mind, 
what just what just comes to you. So that's certainly been a huge part of my process. And did it take you a while to get there, I presume? Oh, absolutely. If you've ever tried meditation or even even being silent, uh, sometimes even trying it for a minute or two uh, is a huge challenge. But I'm at a I'm at a point now, like I said, I can I can silence my mind for for a couple of hours. Wow. So what's your objective with uh, with the podcast? So and the what pod- kind of feed and what kind of feedback have you been getting? Because I heard you're you're giving out your email address and everything in it. Yeah, so uh, uh, my, the purpose of my podcast, and I talk about it in the first episode, is I really strived in the last year to, to find a purpose. I wanted a purpose before uh, going at the podcast. And the purpose is to inspire and bring laughter and love to as many people as I can. And it, that was really, that really came to me at, at, at the moment when those words came out. Uh, from a, from a feedback perspective, it has been it has been very positive. Um, there's a lot of a, a lot of feedback I get on the stories saying you know it really resonates to where they are, um, or I bring up things that you know people realize that they were thinking the same things, but when they when they really heard it uh, framed the way I framed it, they realized. They, they shouldn't be hanging on to the stuff or, or they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. I always talk about being a better you. And, and it's not about aiming for perfection. It's just being better, being better in the day, being better in the next moment. And there's, there's got to be a level of forgiveness too. I mean, Mitch, we all have bad days. But when that day's done, there's nothing you can do. You just have to forgive yourself, clear your mind, go to bed. And just wake up the next day with that attitude of just being better than you were before. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. The way that you deliver the content uh, really gives people time to think as they're listening and in between the things that you're saying. Yeah, and I and, and you know what? I go through the process like actors do of doing a table read. I'll sit yeah. at the table and I'll and I'll read the script and I'll think about the pace. But as I'm saying the words. I'm thinking from the perspective of the listener. Yeah. And, and I think to myself, if I was hearing this right now, would I want to pause? How would I want to hear this? Do I want to raise my voice? Do I want to lower my voice? How do, how do I want to receive this message? Have you had any interviews or has it all been just you? It's all been just me. And, and, uh, and because this is my baby, there's, there's three or four people that I'm targeting to be my first guest mm-hmm. um, because it's going to be very important to me that that first guest is just right. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been talking to, to a few people, but just I haven't found that right one yet. You know, I'm going to send you a link when we're done here. Uh, I had a professor. I went back to U of T a few years ago for cognitive science, and uh, I chose that partly because I was interested in how the mind works. And it was the only thing I could imagine myself, you know, sitting in a lecture for. Yeah. And uh, even even then, I would not have done the whole degree if it wasn't for this one professor. Okay. Who he was so old style. He used the blackboard. He didn't use any slides. Uh, like he talked and he used the blackboard, and he went quickly, 
and he made a lot of references that he stuck on the board. And then the next class, he would spend the first 20 minutes recapping what he did the first, the previous time, and then he'd race ahead to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so, it was so, so challenging and interesting to sit and hear hear him lecture. And I say it's old style because none of my other professors were like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's John Verveke, and he does a lot of videos on YouTube now. He does a meditation on the, on YouTube. You can sit and okay. meditate along with him. And then he also does a lot of discussions with people about um, the intersection of cognitive science and philosophy mm-hmm. and um, and coming at it from very different perspectives. So I think yeah, that'll be that. that'll be fantastic. Send that yeah. over to me. Yeah. So I want to veer now into uh, a more personal sort of profile uh-huh. because uh, we like to give our listeners a, a sense of work-life balance. So are you are you with somebody? Are you alone? What's what's your situation now? Yeah, so I've been uh, divorced for about 15 years. Um, I, I have had uh, a couple of relationships since, but uh, I'm on my own uh, recently. Um, certainly, certainly uh, enjoying that time, uh, and that's reflective in the in the projects I've been able to launch in the last uh, in the last year. Um, I have three daughters; they're all older. Um, 34, 24, and 18. Wow. Um, and I have two grandkids, uh, a boy who's 10 and a girl who's 13. Um, and it's certainly uh, as much time as I can get, even even with restrictions, uh, to see them, I, I, I try to. Wow. So that's wonderful. Are they all in Toronto or are they all like close by? Uh, no, they're actually all dispersed. So I live yeah. in Cambridge, Ontario. Uh, my youngest daughter is in Waterloo, my middle daughter is in Toronto, and my oldest daughter is in Barrie. But do you get to talk to them a lot? Oh, certainly. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we especially text each other on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, for example, my, my middle daughter was in town on uh, Tuesday, so we met up and went for a walk on a trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my youngest daughter will probably be over on Sunday for dinner. How long have you been in Cambridge? I've been in Cambridge for about fifteen years. I grew oh. up. I grew up. That, in, that number comes up a lot. Fifteen yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Uh, yeah. So I've been here about fifteen years. I was actually uh, born and raised in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so I lived. Uh, I lived near uh, Donlands and uh, Danforth. Uh, for those people that are familiar with that. I think it's now referred to as the pocket in Toronto. Um, I've, I've lived in a few places since then. Uh, Mississauga, spent a couple of years in New Brunswick, um, and then ended up in Cambridge. So is your work for Experience Point uh, completely remote? Right now, it's completely remote. Um, with the nature of sales, I have been uh, predominantly remote for well over 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, but I've worked for with organizations where uh, I'll pop into the office one to three times a week uh, in between visiting clients. But okay. my work has pretty much always been done from home. And what's Cambridge like? This is Cambridge, Ontario, not Cambridge, England. <laughs> uh, you know what? It is a beautiful city. I love it. It's got a, it's got a bit of a European flair to it. We've got the Grand River that runs through the middle of the city, uh, and I'm 
I'm minutes away from all sorts of trails, and I love walking trails, especially if they're near near a body of water. I'm always attracted to water. Uh, people tell me it's because I'm Aquarius, but uh, you know, I just like water. I recently came across something called the 5 a.m. Club. Uh, five, and, five a.m. Yeah, yeah, five a.m. Club. I, you know, you know what? I don't know what it's about, but I'm I'm the person that's uh, always up between five and six in the morning. Huh. Um, I I probably only sleep four to six hours a night, um, and uh, when I when I wake up, um, uh, probably the first hour or two is all uh, is all me or bed time. Uh, it's spent meditating. Could be spent reading. Uh, could be spent just doing something productive. Um, sometimes if the weather is, is cooperating, going out for a walk, uh, having a coffee, and then getting ready to, to start my day. Mm. Well, I can't relate to that, I got to tell you. I, I, I Sometimes I get up at like 3 in the morning or 2 in the morning, I come down and watch a little TV and then fall asleep an hour later. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah, and see, I, I'm I'm up till sometimes I'm up till 11:30 or midnight. So yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, and, and it's funny because my daughter and I just joked about that the other day, and she said to me, Bat, "Dad, you were you were never a sleeper." That's the two-minute warning. Okay. To wrap up, I'd like to ask a ten-question survey from the Actor Studio TV show. Okay. And um, the idea is to say the first thing that comes into your mind. All right. All right, let's go. What is your favorite word? Peace. What is your least favorite word? Chaos. I'm going to have to put you on to another, another book by, actually, you know, it's Jordan Peterson. He, he's, he's sort of notorious now for political things but his he had an interesting um book about uh ordering chaos and how that and then he gets into sort of the the gods and the the mythological bases of that and how that sort of affects our lives where we sit on the you know where we sit on the spectrum of ordering chaos yeah yeah what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally the sky what turns you off? Uh, no word coming to my mind. Mm. I would say darkness. Do you have a favorite curse word? I've given up cursing, actually, as part of my process. Really? Interesting, yes. But, Did you uh, used to curse a lot? I was famous for the F-bomb before, yes. That must be hard. Um, you know, when I was studying cognitive science, one, one very interesting thing I found out is that Curse words are are in a different part of a brain than the rest of your vocabulary. <laughs> That's one of the reasons that uh, Tourette's syndrome people are, you know, shout out curse words because uh, it's a different part of the brain that they're accessing. <laughs> so well, it must be very hard it, to get rid of that. Well, it, it, in, it, it, there's there's also the process of not saying it, yeah, but still having the emotion of it. Uh-huh. So <laughs> if that makes if that makes sense. Well, very good on you for self-control. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of water. And what sound or noise do you hate? I hate trains for some reason. Hmm. 
What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? That would be a lawyer. What profession would you not like to do? Garbage man. One might, you know, talk about lawyers being garbage men, or you know, <laughs> in, a, in a sense, yeah, they well, might not be that too far apart, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the final question is uh, what I call the heaven question. Okay. So, regardless of your religious belief, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome, Ben. Fantastic job out there. All right. That's it. Okay, man. We've done it. All right. How do you feel? I feel good. That was good. Great. Well, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Perfect. And I, I look forward to that link in that book recommendation. Okay. And good luck with everything you're doing. Yeah, you too. And uh, listen, good luck with the new job. Do you start on Monday? I start on Monday. I'm very, very nervous. <laughs> really, <laughs> I really... <laughs> I have an idea of what to expect, but you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's uh, yeah, each every company has its own sort of culture, its own sort of setup and way of doing things. Yeah, and you just hope that it, you know, it clicks. Yeah, yeah, no, very true, very true. I, 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 I think you're accurate with that. It's always that first day and meeting the people and meeting the personalities and getting a true feel for the culture because you don't you don't get it during the interview process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Good luck. Let me know how it goes. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a great evening. You too. Ciao. Bye-bye. The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe and read a review. Good, bad, or ugly, let me know what you think. That link again is kite.link slash theidfanatic. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn, and I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs>